Businesses of all sizes have been affected by COVID-19. In response to this, Post Media Solutions has created a five-step guide aimed to help you adapt to your business during this global crisis. To get this free guide, visit postmediasolutions.com forward slash adapt. The COVID-19 pandemic has caused havoc in the medical systems of countries around the world. But the social distancing measures have also landed a body blow on the global economy, with Canada seeing a spike in unemployment and a massive government bailout to those affected by the pandemic shutdown. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. I talk with Financial Post reporter Emily Jackson, who hosts our Down to Business podcast, about what industries are really struggling, how the government has responded, and how long the effects could last. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. We'd also love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Emily, going into to 2020, what was the picture for the Canadian economy? Like, what was expected? Was it supposed to be a good year for Canadian businesses and government and the economy overall? It was supposed to be a decent year. You know, we were coming off of some challenges in 2019. There were some struggles in the oil patch in Alberta and Saskatchewan. There wasn't a ton of massive growth. Then at the start of the year, there was some optimism that it would be a little bit better this year. It got derailed, so to speak, by some rail blockades across the the country in February. But all in all, there seemed to be some signs that productivity was ticking a bit up. The housing market was continuing to run hot and the Bank of Canada was holding steady with interest rates, indicating that it it thought things were pretty stable. And when did things start to go off the rails because of COVID-19? Well, it all started kind of in mid-March with this great lockdown, if you will, with the social distancing that very, very drastically changed our behavior. You know, the kind of the craziest part about this recession slash whatever you want to call it is how quickly it happened. So we got in mid-March the order to start social distancing. Almost immediately, restaurants kind of shut down. You saw retail shut down. You saw hotels and tourism and flights drop drastically as the government and governments around the world introduced travel restrictions or in some cases bans on crossing the border. So suddenly you just had all this activity stop. I mean, if you drive down the streets nowadays, it looks like a ghost town, right? So when this Mm -hmm. first started happening, it was, is this going to be a couple weeks? How long is this going to be? And that, that speed of the shutdown really just changed things in an instant. Yeah. And then, you know, you have places like retail and restaurants and things like that, reducing staff hours or closing because um, people aren't going out anymore. And then governments announce uh, that they're ordering the closure of non-essential businesses. What kind of ripple effect can that have if people, you know, lose a job, can't afford to to do anything anymore, and then uh, don't have a need to go anywhere because they're told to stay home? Does it hurt other sectors, even essential sectors? Absolutely. So you think about, I mean, you think about one single restaurant, say 
suddenly they have to lay off all their servers because even if they're doing a little bit of takeout, maybe they keep two or three staff members on board in the kitchen. So all the servers are gone. Probably the people that have been coming into the restaurant every night to clean the restaurant, that's gone too. So now we have a situation where you have people who aren't making an income, but they still have to pay rent. What happens at the end of the month when they can't pay rent? Maybe they've asked their landlord for a deferral, but that landlord has to pay the mortgage on that condo or that that house wherever they're living. So then you've got the landlord calling the bank saying, hey, can I get a deferral on my mortgage here? Um, so the spin out from just one simple restaurant can be can be pretty massive and just shows how it shows how interconnected we all are. And what impact does that tend to have and how quickly can that have an impact on the economy as a whole? Well, you can see how quick it's happened just by looking at the job losses. So more than a million Canadians have uh, filed for employment insurance since this whole thing began. And this is, we're talking in just a month. You also have a hundreds of thousands more applying for the emergency response benefits for temporary income loss during the pandemic. Um, And with that, you have small businesses, uh, some needing to shut their doors because you know what, if they're not getting any revenue in, they're having a hard time paying rent as well. So the economic impacts have been really quick. Now, the one thing that has been a positive sign in this and that has buoyed the stock markets around the world is the size of the government response. So the Canadian government has dedicated, you know, more than $100 billion to this so far. And that's um, to help small businesses and large businesses with wage subsidies. If they've lost a significant portion of their revenue, that's to provide emergency response benefits to people whose income has been completely erased due to the pandemic. So the size of the government response has certainly tempered some of the losses, but there's no there's no question the the jump in unemployment is unprecedented. How important is it that the government steps up to respond with essentially a, an economic bailout package to people affected by this shutdown? You, I, I noticed that not even conservatives who who may typically kind of balk at a hundred billion dollars in new spending at the snap of a finger haven't really said a lot about criticizing the government in terms of spending that money that quickly. Why is that so important for the government to step in? Economists um, have said that it's critical to take quick action because if you just think about the basic laws of inertia, it's harder to move something that's stopped versus keep something rolling that's already going. So essentially without quick action, without giving businesses the ability to you know, temporarily pay for some of these wages, to keep their doors open in the sense, even if it's virtually, if they have to shut down, it's way harder to restart a business from scratch than it is to ramp one up once demand goes. And the reason that this has been so important is because this pandemic is not necessarily a reflection of the underlying economy. It's something totally different. It's a virus that people, I mean, 
they knew it was a probability, but they didn't see it coming right now. Mm -hmm. So this isn't a reflection about what our economy was doing. This is a this is a totally different event. You know, this is a reaction to a health crisis. So by keeping the economy floating a little bit by keeping people from shutting down their shops completely. The government is hoping that the economy can restart a little bit more quickly once this pandemic is more under control and people can get back to work, get back to their day-to-day lives. Now, you mentioned, you know, the number of unemployed grew dramatically, uh, businesses shutting down or, or places that weren't forced to shut down completely or having to roll back staff hours or lay off staff. How bad are people expecting it could get? The International Monetary Fund released its uh, forecast for the economy um, this week or on April 14th. And what the International Monetary Fund predicted was that the global economy will shrink by 3% this year. Now, it at the start of the year, it thought the economy was going to grow by 3%. So flip it and reverse it. And that's what we've got. This is one of the deepest dives since the Great Depression. It also will dwarf the 2008-2009 financial crisis. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. You're talking about the the scale of things and how it compared to the one that most of our listeners or all of our listeners would would be more likely to remember is the 2008-2009 financial crisis. How does this compare in terms of the contraction of the economy and also in terms of the government response to what has happened? So in the 2008-2009 financial crisis, the global economy Um, posted a 0.1% contraction. So this year we're expecting a 3% contraction. So this this is massively bigger. And I think the difference difference does tend to come down to the the fundamentals of the economy and, um, and just the widespread nature of this. You know, in the financial crisis, for instance, there was a lot of problems, but the airline industry, to cite one example, was still up and running, still doing still doing all right. The airline industry is expecting to lose more than half of its expected revenue this year. So more than $250 billion is just going poof, right, out of this global industry that connects a lot of people. And you think about the economic impact of one flight, say it has 200 seats, all of those people have not only bought tickets, but they're fueling airport workers, flight attendants, pilots, they're going and staying in hotels, eating at restaurants, potentially having business meetings where deals are done. So if you think about that alone, I think that just shows the scale of this complete stoppage of movement in an economy, a global economy that's so interconnected. Are there any economists who are talking about the potential positives for once some of these uh, social distancing measures and lockdowns are lifted uh, that we could see a bounce back quite quickly? Or or are we going to be dealing with this for quite a while because of the huge increase in unemployment and people not having uh, capital to participate in the economy? So there are some economists that are predicting there could be sort of a faster recovery because this isn't about fundamentals. It's about the health crisis that said the 
you know, the IMF forecast today is pretty, pretty negative when it comes to how long this could, this could take for businesses to recover. So, um, I mean, at this point, I think it's fair to say it's anyone's guess mm-hmm. <laughs> as we true. learn new things about the virus every day and how, um, how this disease is affecting economies. Obviously, there's a big political push to get the economy back up and running again. And for a lot of people, you know, there is that desire, that need to try to get back to work. But um, it's it's so far, you know, it's a bit pessimistic, the outlooks. Yeah. And one segment of the the Canadian economy, one industry that was already kind of a little sluggish at the start of the year, and there were concerns about how it would fare going forward, was the oil industry. And, you know, it's kind of been hit with a number of roadblocks in recent years. There's been uh, a slow go to get pipelines constructed to get oil out of Alberta to foreign markets. And then amid the uh, slowdown related to COVID-19, there was a price war between Russia and Saudi Arabia. And now people aren't going anywhere. And if you look at the price of gas, you can tell what the price of oil is uh, and how bad it's gotten just by how low the price at the pumps is. What is the potential outlook for the oil industry in Canada and how does it get past what's going on right now? On April 14th, the government again indicated that there will be more support coming for the oil and gas sector. Canada's oil and gas sector has been particularly hard hit because of the challenges you mentioned. You know, it's um, there without pipeline projects getting built. Canada's in a position where it's a bit more difficult to get its oil to market. Mm -hmm. And now the demand for that oil is vanishing as industrial activity, airline activity, travel activity, it goes down. So it's kind of Canada's kind of in this in this very challenging spot where it is a country that is higher cost to produce and it is um, a country that is has capacity challenges with exports. So as it stands as of this morning, a barrel of Canadian oil was cheaper than a pint of beer. And it's this remarkable situation that I didn't I don't think anyone anticipated coming. Um, the government of Alberta has stepped up to with funding for the Keystone XL pipeline, a project that construction has started on. So that is a positive sign for the industry. Um, and it's expected that the government will do a lot more to try to help out the oil and gas industry, given the you know, this this drastic crisis that's coming just fairly recently after the last oil price crash in 2015. On the bright side, are there are there industries amid this crisis that are thriving or are there changes that we've seen that could carry over to kind of post pandemic normal ways of doing business? I mean, Amazon's having a great time. Its stock hit a high this week, which is pretty remarkable given the general negative behavior of the stock market. Uh, People are staying at home. They're being told not to go out as much, and they are online shopping a heck of a lot more. Now, that has been good for Amazon. That could be positive for Canadian companies like Shopify, which power small retailers. Now, first off, the retailers have to you know, continue 
having customers and those customers need to continue having jobs if they want to keep spending. But certainly the shift to online shopping is something that some people are predicting could have long-term ramifications. Once that behavior is changing, it could change for the longer haul. Uh, this this is true when it comes to grocery stores as well. You know, Canadians are eating at home now more than they have in probably decades. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are ordering online as well. And that was a market that was really slow to kick off in Canada, where the a country where people like to go to the produce aisle and pick our own cucumbers. Thank you very much. But it's looking like this online shopping trend could be around to stay. Now, beyond the government kind of teasing the idea of some sort of help for the oil industry, are there any other sectors that are expecting or calling for help from the government? Yeah, the airline industry is um, is calling for something. Now it's looking like they'll make use of the wage subsidy, which is seemingly applicable to any company, large or small, that has lost more than 30% of its revenue. Um, Air Canada alone has cut its flight capacity by 85 to 90% this month. So um, laid off at 16,000 employees. Now it's hoping to get them back on payroll with this temporary wage subsidy. But uh, just the the drastic effect on the air industry due to the travel bans, the government-mandated travel bans, is pretty remarkable. And the airlines have been in discussions with Ottawa. It's not quite clear what a relief package would look like, but they are pushing for one. And, and lastly, how quickly do some businesses or some industries want to see these restrictions lifted? How important is it to the economy that there's at least a plan for a, a measured approach to getting people back out and participating in the economy and getting back to their jobs and getting companies back on their feet? Well, I think it depends it depends on the business and what that business is doing, but certainly Certainly, I think it's important for the economy period, which is really just a collection of people um, buying, <laughs> you know, for people to get back to work. I think the political question is, how can we do that safely and how soon can we do that safely without sustaining a massive loss of life, right? And it becomes almost this equation of, okay, what is the economic cost versus how many lives are we going to save with social distancing. And I think it's a really difficult question. I think a lot of businesses would love to get back to work and keep going. A lot of people would love to get back to work and have a job at the same time. You know, there's that balance of how do we deal with this health crisis? And I don't think there's an easy answer. Yeah, and I think it's something that, that people haven't seen uh, the likes of in, in many, many years. Emily, thanks for your time. Dave, thanks so much for having me. Ten Three is produced by Carson Jarama. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Emily Jackson. More from her at financialpost.com. And you can find Down to Business wherever you find this show. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>